Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today we're joined as well by Molly Davis, who's the author of a new book called Blush, and is an amazing coach with a company called Trailhead Coaching. Today we're going to speak with Molly all about what it means to come to the trailhead, live in the threshold, and really show up to your life. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, the journey continues this week. I'm here doing this intro back in California. I'm in a place called Topanga Canyon, sitting in an Airbnb, looking out at all of these beautiful trees and hills, and I couldn't feel more grateful to be spending this time here right now. I know there's some incredible people that live in the area, including Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, my favorite yoga teacher, Sean Korn, lives somewhere around here. And I've heard a lot of people speak about this place. Never had the chance to visit till today. And um, I arrived last night. It's really quite a magnificent place. I can see what all the buzz is about. It's a few miles away from a place called Malibu, just a little bit north of Los Angeles. And um, there's just an inspiring spirit and soul in this part of the world. I can feel it. So I, uh, I got in last night. I'd spent the weekend in Portland, Oregon, doing a conference uh, with Hay House and uh, spent the weekend with an incredible coach and mentor, fairly new mentor of mine named Robert Holden, who's done a lot of great work. He has a book called Holy Shift, <laughs> which I love. And uh, this year I'm doing a lot of work with him around The Course in Miracles and part of the group that him and his wife, Holly Holden, started. And it's been a really, really great journey. So I spent the weekend in Portland and had my mind blown, honestly. Um, A lot of new perspectives around coaching and how it relates to things like the Enneagram, which is a personality uh, test. We also did some work around Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey and uh, so much more. It was just a really, really powerful weekend. Um, A couple things that I took away that I'm going to remember for sure was this whole idea that Robert talked about, um, the difference between trying to get somewhere and simply showing up now, and how so often we're in this place of wanting to self-improve, meaning we're always trying to do better and be better and get better. And um, he was making the case for the fact that when we're in that zone, and only in that zone, there's a good chance that our ego is running the show, versus this idea of self-acceptance, where no longer are we trying to achieve, but we're from a place of force, but we're actually learning how to just accept who we truly are. And who we truly are is the soul, is the source. Um, there's not really a word for it, but it's that eternal oneness that we're all connected to, and at times we get glimpses of as we're moving through the planet. Um, This past weekend, I was seeing so much of that soul in the people I was meeting and uh, the experiences I was having. And uh, one of those experiences took me as well this past weekend out to um, a place called Mount Adams, which is uh, this amazing active, apparently, volcano and mountain uh, in Washington State. It's about two hours west of Portland, Oregon. And I'd recently uh, met an incredible woman named Molly Davis when I was down in Mexico teaching at a place called Rancho La Porta. And she was also teaching there, um, doing some work on what she calls the threshold, 
we became good friends. And when I found out I was coming to Portland, I, uh, I called Molly up and said, can I come visit you? I hear you live in this incredible place at the base of this mountain, Mount Adams. And uh, she said, absolutely. So I headed over there on a day off and spent the day with, with Molly and um, another dear friend, Christine, that I just recently met in, at the ranch in Mexico. And uh, one thing led to the next, and we were sitting outside one in the middle of the day, looking out at the mountain, and uh, there, there's, we were outside, she's got this outdoor fireplace right on her porch. And it was just one of those moments where you take a deep breath and realize that this is actually happening. It was so incredible. And we were just into some really deep conversation and um, healing and connecting to the spirit. And so we decided to, to do a podcast and share some of what we were experiencing together with you. Um, so you're going to have to pardon the sound fluctuations at times. We, we decided to keep this very organic as we sat outside. And at times the wind blew and the chimes went off and it was really magical. You might even hear some birds chirping in the background at times. Um, but nonetheless, this was just a really, really wonderful conversation um, one of my favorite pieces about it that Molly will elaborate on is this idea of how things are constantly in a cycle um, of order, disorder, and reorder. So I'll leave you with that uh, as we step into this conversation, and I'll see you on the other side. So without further ado, please meet Molly Davis. All right, well, this is a very, very sacred time to be sitting where I am in Washington State on pretty much a beautiful ranch with Molly Davis, who I met a few weeks ago actually at Rancho La Porta in Tecate. Mm. And we're just here. I happened to be in Portland and um, drove a couple hours to your place, Molly, and we're sitting, <laughs> we gotta describe this, we're sitting with Molly Davis here at her well, place. And you were <laughs> actually, you happened to be in Portland, but we were talking probably two weeks ago and you didn't know where I lived, so you said, tell me, where, tell me, where do you live? And I said, well, we live near the Columbia River Gorge. You said, but what's the biggest city? I said, Portland. You said, wait a minute, Portland? I, I'm going to be in Portland in two weeks. How about if I come and visit you? Yeah. So that's, yeah, how you got here. So how would we describe this place? Yeah. It's magic. It is magic. It's, um, it is a sacred place. So we're at about 2,000 feet here. We sit in a pine forest at the base of Mount Adams, which is a 12,281-foot-high dormant volcano. <laughs> and the reason I know that is because I stood on top of it two years ago. Wow. And we're just out here on in your porch. There's a f outdoor fireplace that goes up to the ceiling, and there's you're going to hear in the background probably these wind chimes mm. that go off because the wind's blowing. Yeah. It's like the second day of spring. Snow is melting all around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's surreal here. It's magic here. You know, really, since we found this place, what we would say is we we're stewards of this place. I think this place is meant to be a place that draws people and that is this sacred, safe space. Yeah. And yeah, and so we're stewards. Yeah. Yeah, we get to take care of this place. So to have you here amazing yeah thank you mm. well and all of you listening yeah just um give yourself the opportunity to just take a deep breath and feel a little bit of the love and the spirit that mm. is emulating from us just being 
right now mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited to just let the community know about you and the work you're doing and how mm-hmm. powerful it all is. I, I was just saying a little bit earlier just how I came across your work at the perfect time at this ranch down in Tecate where um, I was going through just this peak experience at the beginning of the year and the word discernment kept coming up. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there you and uh, your partner, Christine, that you do a lot of work with are presenting on the threshold and the trailhead. Yes. I'd love to just start there and maybe you could explain a little bit yeah. for people listening, just the work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So really all of the work I think, and is what we were doing there, but all of my work and my work with Christine, who best friend for 44 years, co-authors and and doing this kind of work together is all in service of helping people find their way to a more authentic and wholehearted life. And that always starts at the trailhead. And so that first night when we were all together, we talked about threshold moments. You know, those times when life is calling you out beyond where you are and asking you to step over boundaries that you've come to count on and out into the unknown. And we can't find our way into the life that's ours if we're not willing to step out. And... And yeah, you know, I, I think too, it's the work is based on some core beliefs that I have. And I always want people to know that from the, at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. a few things that I believe. And one is that we are all created in the image of the creator, whatever, whoever, whatever spirit or force or deep inner energy or order brought us to this place at our core, at our irreducible essence, we have this spark of that from which we came. Um, we're all called to live authentic, wholehearted lives. And we're all called to love, touch, and heal the world that is within our reach. All of the work is in service to that. How do we show up for our own lives so that we can do what we're here to do? Oh, I, like I get the sense that you don't just arrive there. It's almost like a journey. We arrive here on the planet and we're all of a sudden separated from the source of where we came, mm. so to speak. So for you, like, how did you, uh, how did this all begin where you had some awareness and you grew towards this? Like, where did this all start? Oh, yeah, I think you, I think just to go back to what you said, I think we all arrive that way and then we just forget. We, yeah. And some of us forget sooner than others. And, and so I think along my way, I, there were some things I knew about myself that, um, I couldn't live into at the time. I knew that I, um, what did I say that? I knew that I, I knew what my strengths and gifts were and in the family that I was born into and the world in which I lived, it wasn't like those things weren't valued. They weren't okay. Mm. And so. Like the spirituality? No, not the spirituality so much. That was always there. You know, my connection to spirit, to the divine has always been there. It's changed and evolved. And um, I went through probably what really began the journey to getting me here was having the courage to leave my first marriage. It was a dangerous, volatile marriage, and I had been afraid to leave it because I thought God would not like that. Then... 
what I was absolutely shocked to find out was it was that God helped me pack my suitcase and said, okay, now we can get on with living the life that's yours. And from that point on, it has just been this ongoing unfolding and journey journey to this work now that I get to do as a coach and a speaker and a writer and a facilitator. And if I had to put it in a nutshell, it's helping people connect who they are with how they live, which wow. starts with them connecting to who they are and rediscovering who they are. Huh. Once you get there, then those next steps starts to be, you know, they start to become clear. Yeah, absolutely. So just in your work with people and, and also within yourself, um, this is a loaded question. Oh but boy. Just yeah, right now, as, as we're yeah. saying here, like, who are we? Mm. How, do, how would you... Who Answer that. Who are, are we? we? You know, the first word that comes to mind, honestly, is, I don't know, we're all children of the creator. I mean, we are all part of, we're all part of the bigger picture. Um, it's like I said, that spark of the divine. I think that we are here to be love and God to one another. Mm. We're spiritual beings first, and we're not we're not spiritual beings inside of a body. We're um, a body with inside of us with within a spiritual being. Wow! And so this this is just what it looks like now. You know, who knows what it looked like before, and who knows what it'll look like later. Yeah. What's amazing is I think as I'm listening to you, just the challenges that happen for us along the way, whether it's having to leave a relationship or, you know, getting cheated on or on and on, you know, abuse, physical, sexual, mental, like um, any trauma. It's like it almost wakes us up. It's like this sort of beautiful mess where it like wakes mm. us up yeah. to who we really are. And it's like we realize we're not this just this physical experience. Right. Do you find that? Absolutely. And when you talk about that mess... It makes me think of, of uh, somebody we both admire, Richard Rohr, who has this, this um, metaphor for transformation. And he says the, the path to transformation always happens this way. And it starts with order, disorder, reorder. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, whether it's an organization or a work team or a family or a relationship or our own hearts. The only path to transformation is through all three steps. Wow. And so every time we find our life in disorder, which are some of those things that you just mentioned, um, it's this invitation to put life back together differently. Wow. And sometimes I think we get so mired in the mess that we miss the invitation. And that is all about the threshold. You know, the threshold moment is this time when we're asked to step, we're invited to step from order into disorder wow. so that we can find our way to reorder. Right. So there's a beauty in the disorder mm. to rise back up to a the reorder. Absolutely. And, and wow. And in the reorder, do you find it's the same or does it shift? Oh, it shifts. I mean, oh. again, it's up to us, but it is. It's this invitation to put life back together differently, which means we always get to take a look at and say, what fits, what no longer does, what can I leave behind, and and what to use a, a phrase that you often use that I love, which is what can I live into? What, right. you know, where is life calling me? You know, sitting out here, 
at this magical place, mm -hmm. you know, sitting out here on our property. The one of those moments came for me at the road, this road that you drove in on. And a few years back, I was taking this evening walk down the road. And one of my favorite times of the day, I love to take a, a walk. I love to take a walk down our road. And <clears throat> threshold moments for me over the years have almost always come with a voice. You know, somehow we all know a threshold when it comes up, whether it's a sudden pounding outside your chest or just a feeling or a knot in your stomach, but you know this, you're you've got this opportunity to step out in a new way. That's well, mine, threshold. Yeah, that's a threshold. Yeah. And one way or another, that threshold moment will make itself known because it wants us to know about it. Its life is calling us deeper. So mine comes with a voice. So I was walking down the road, and it was just this beautiful evening, and the sun was setting behind the mountain. And all of a sudden, at a bend in the road, the voice showed, showed up. And we're probably all familiar with the words wine, women, and song. Hmm. Well, the voice inside my head very clearly said wine, women, and sorrow. Wow. And at the same time, I got this image of a book in my head with that those same words and with that familiar word song crossed out and replaced by sorrow. And talk about being at a threshold. I stopped. I bent over. I put my head in my in my you know face in my hands and I said this word I try not to s utter in front of my grandchildren and in <laughs> church and I stayed bent over for way too long because I knew that once I stood up life would not be the same wow and I stood up and I said to the voice so I really have to do this thing don't I and so the invitation to me was to take this look at my longtime love affair with wine. I have been a wine drinker for as long as I can remember. Huh. And um, it had all started out back in the home where I grew up. My folks at night would pour their glasses of wine and we'd sit and talk and dinner would be cooking. And it was like that glass of wine was this ritual that came to represent the best of home and family. <laughs> and so as I moved on through life and uh, moved on that ritual came with me time to make dinner time for a glass of wine but the truth was over the years that evening ritual had become this coping mechanism all wrapped up in something that smacked of home and family but it had become this way to dull pain cope with stress avoid discomfort and this was a chance, there was a very clear invitation. Keep things the same way, order. Shift a little bit and get curious about my relationship with wine. Disorder, put life back together differently, reorder. Wow. And that, as I walked back to the, to the house, I thought about that crossed out word song and its meaning was instantly clear. Our song is our life, all of it. It's why we're here, it's who we're meant to be, the work we're here to do. And somehow I knew that that wine I drank every night was getting in the way of the life that I was here to live. So over the course of the next couple of years, I began to get curious about it and write about it and come to understand that any form of discomfort would send me looking for something that would wine, 
that would help me not have to feel what I was feeling. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, the book came out a couple of years ago, and through it, this wonderful opportunity to rewrite my relationship with wine. I live in the middle of wine country. I still love the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we all have our moment in the road like that. For me, it happened to be um, a glass of wine or two or three at night. Huh. And it's something that I think a lot of women mostly, especially, can relate to. But we all have that thing yeah. that keeps us from showing up. And... Whatever it is that's keeping us from showing up is we got to take a look at it so we can get on with um, what was the, what was the the words I heard in a book we can get on with the errand upon which we've been sent while we're here. Wow, it takes really fierce courage to look mm-hmm. at that which we know we need to look at, but we don't want to. Yes, like it takes a lot of courage it, to go into the disorder. It does. It absolutely does. And it was interesting. I I chose to. For about the last nine months of writing the book, I chose to give up drinking wine altogether because I wanted to learn about my relationship with it by not having it. And so some nights, no big deal. I didn't even give it a second thought. But there were other nights where it was my first, second, third thought, give it to me now. Those were the nights that informed me the the most. And so rather than pour a glass of wine, I'd grab my journal or I'd take a walk and I'd sit with whatever that was to learn what it had for me and to understand what that emotion was or what I was afraid of or what I was running from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, the, it's so much easier to want to numb it out, but it's not real. Like, it's like playing safe, but it's not really safe. Mm-mm. It's like going up against what it is that you're being called to for your higher purpose Yes. versus just staying in the mediocre. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what I'm hearing here. And yep. it's, this beautiful transition of order, disorder, uh, reorder. Re- yes. Even as we're recording this, I'm aware of just, um, I wish you could see this, you guys listening. Like it's just the, the wind picks up when you're talking about disorder and it's like, <laughs> it's like a storm. <laughs> and some ashes from the fireplace come out. They blow all over us. Right. And then we're never the same again. Yes. And somehow in that there's like this beautiful transition through the mess into just deeper awareness and deeper remembering yes of who we are yeah wow and it's something i mean it happens over and over and over sometimes it's big sometimes it's little but mm. awareness is the beginning of change and if if we can begin to recognize disorder when it shows up even mm. when it's something little and look at it and go oh wait there's an invitation here it's worth staying with the mess. How do people know like when disorder is on the horizon? On the horizon? Yeah. You know, again, I think in my work as a coach, and I bet you've found this too, if, we're, if we connect and listen to ourselves, we know really everything that we need to know. And so if we're paying attention and we, we feel that discomfort, it, it pulls against... I think it just pulls against our comfort zone. Yeah. And and when we notice that, it's like you get a little sliver and you go, wait a minute, what did I do? And you can ignore the sliver or you can look at it and go, huh, oh, I better take care of that. Mm. And I think once you begin to recognize that process, that cyclical process, you recognize when disorder is upon you. Right. And sometimes we choose it. And other times disorder gets thrust upon you. You get a diagnosis. You get a phone call. You lose a client. 
You didn't choose that, but it's there. And now that it's there, are we going to turn it into an invitation or are we going to try to patch it up or are we going to try to just turn around and do something and ignore it? How do you, like, as you're speaking about it, I imagine, and I mean, I've been through it myself, like the discipline it takes to to stick with the disorder mm. when it's just so easy to numb out or run away. Like, how, how do you help people through that or what mm. can you offer advice wise for people that are trying to work through the disorder the mm. uncomfortableness right how do we do that like yeah that's a really good question i think i think part of it is helping people recognize that one step at a time principle mm. and if you think about the disorder it helps to look on the other side of it and say on the other side of it what would i like this to look like like what is this invitation to and if we can get clear on what this is an invitation to, then sticking with the disorder is worth it. Wow. But, yeah, so I do. I think that it's getting clear on what it, what am I being, where and to what am I being invited. Right. You talked about um, earlier before this podcast mm-hmm. the, the magnet in the... Mm. In the heart, is that right? Yeah, the ma- well, yeah. just our own internal magnet, yeah. Can you share a little more about that? Cause yes. Because was really cool. Yeah, so uh, can I talk about the David White? Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I went to a David White uh, weekend a couple of years ago down at Asilomar in California, and probably 300 people, and I was there specifically to um, reflect and look ahead, do that looking ahead, and think about the year I was specifically not there to connect with people socially or to network. And I'm an introvert at heart, which just cracks people up most of the time, <laughs> but I am. And so those things really make me uncomfortable. And meals in particular, it's like I have to sit down at a table full of strangers and show up and I'm, uncon- I'm unsure. And so I sit down and try to look really sure. And so every meal I would sit down at a table where there was room for one more person and try to jump into the conversation. And it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare on so many levels. All the people that I interacted with, there was nothing wrong with them, but it was like trying to force something that wouldn't work. Yeah. yeah. And, um, been there. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I did, I had a, I had a, a newly minted life coach who was just not just barely, you know, kind of learning what all that meant. And I shared something about my life and man, he wanted to try out his new skills on me. And oh, geez. so <laughs> anyway, it, it was forced. <laughs> yeah, it was really forced. And so finally, the last day I decided that I was going to do something dinner, the la- different at last meal, I sat down at a table all by myself. And within about five minutes, the table was filled with this wonderful cadre of people who were like, we were engaged in conversation, we were connected, we began to, to form some connections that I still have today. Wow. And so as I left that meal and walked back for the last session, the voice showed up again and just said, Maul, trust your own magnet. And I just, you know, you know, when you hear the truth, I just stopped and thought, yes, that's, and we all have that. And we have a, we have this inner knowing, this inner compass, I guess, this inner magnet that draws certain things into our lives that we really need to trust. And then it can also keep other things out. And so as we get clear on that, which is, who am I? Why am I here? That becomes the inner 
magnet that helps us know what to draw in and what not to. Wow. And we do. We all have that. (laughs) It's amazing. I so appreciate the courage it takes to go sit at a table by yourself Mm. and then to know that you're not alone because you're supported because the right people start showing up when you start listening to yourself. To yourself. I just think that's so powerful. Yeah. And then that inner magnet place, like to connect to that in the disorder. Right. And (laughs) that's, and you just said it as soon as we recognize that if we can say, okay, I need help. Where am I? Yeah. Bring that and and trust what you hear. I think that's so often for people as they begin to say, what, what is this an invitation to? Where am I being called? Man, trust what you hear. Yeah. Especially the stuff that brings up resistance, like the stuff that you go, no, I don't want to go there. Yeah, that uncomfortableness. That uncomfortableness, yeah. I'm just thinking, uh, I'm hearing Louise Hay right now, Mm. uh, who's one of my mentors, and we've talked about Mm. Hay House and Mm -hmm. Louise, and um, every time that chime goes off, as we're talking about a magnet, she used to call that your inner ding. It's like that little ding that goes off. It's like, listen, pay attention right now. Just mm-hmm. totally thinking of her as you're speaking Think about your inner magnet or your inner ding. Your inner ding. Maybe that's her blowing through there. Possibly, Could right? Could be, right. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe that? Do you speak a bit about like the, do you believe that there's life after death and the connection mm-hmm. to our ancestors? Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. But just this morning, earlier, we were talking about that concept of thin places and right and recognizing that you know it's all one it is all one there really isn't any separation and i think that that we that we live in and cult- and can cultivate thin places where we come closer to understanding that we are we're part of forever this is just a part of the a part of the journey and I think one of the ways that we do that is we start making friends with our own death. We recognize that that's just one more step and rather than be afraid of it, try to avoid it. It's like when that comes, that's just going to be my invite. Talk about the ultimate disorder. Right. You know, that's going to be my invitation to a brand new reorder. Oh, like even in that process of dying, mm-hmm. this is up, this is happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when we were talking about that thin air that thin line there Mm -hmm. it's like um this morning I was sitting out on your deck and I just took this deep breath and it was like in that moment I felt like I was connected to all my ancestors and just everyone that's gone before me Mm -hmm. it just like came through the air which might sound really hippy dippy to some of you (laughs) listening right now I just want to preface but um at the same time when you started talking about that thin um space Mm -hmm. between this physical reality and what lies beyond it. It's like, I just, I'm convinced oh. that the spirit is that oneness is who we are. Is who we underneath are. Underneath all of the illusion of this physicality that we're in. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, a year, so my mom died in 2000, but at her service, we played Louis Armstrong's It's a Wonderful World because that just so depicted her. Mm-hmm. And a year later on the on the anniversary of her death her first year my sister happened to wake up in the morning with her radio um, you know her radio alarm and that was the song that came on just randomly a year from her death and it was just like her showing up 
And there was this, my daughter, Lauren, we were looking for her wedding dress and she's named after my mom. And we were trying to figure out what she was trying on all these dresses and none of them were right. And then she put on this one dress and there was music being piped through there. And when she put on that one dress and opened up the curtains and said, what do you think? It's a wonderful world came on. Wow. And it was like, we all went, that's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, if we're paying attention. <laughs> if we're paying attention. It's like, it's obvious that there's more to this than what our physical mind can even comprehend or our conscious mind can yes. comprehend. Yeah, and it's we're guided. Mm, we're guided. I mean, the fact that we're here and we've connected and just paying attention, my, my Uncle Bob calls it the breadcrumb trail. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Just following all those little breadcrumbs. Which so makes it, again, in that, through that um, disorder process, that's what we're following. And a breadcrumb trail isn't daunting. It's like you don't have to have your strategic plan and your 12 months planned out necessarily. It's what's the next breadcrumb? What's the next right step? Pay attention. Just that next right step. Wow. So when you're working with somebody that's a total type A, I got to get somewhere there on that trajectory. I got to plan out the next 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in the breadcrumb analogy. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that go? <laughs> yes. Well, that's, you know, kind of that's their practice and it makes them dis- it makes them uncomfortable, which is then we get to talk about um, the growing edge, you know, our growing edge, which means coming, rubbing up against our discomfort. And so, mm. you know, I kind of make them stay with the breadcrumb. I say, okay, let's get that vision out there really clear. Now come back to today. What are you going to do today that's, and tomorrow and next week? that's going to get you closer to that. Oh, wow. So the vision still can be very significant and important. Yes. But it's not about that end destination? N- the, I think the end destination is the vision. That's what I think it is. That's The vision is what pulls us forward right? and keeps us, keeps us going. There's other people for whom the vision is really difficult. They want to stay with their head down looking for the next breadcrumb. Yeah. So the challenge for them is, glad you know the next right step, glad you can see the breadcrumbs let's lift your gaze and see where you're looking right you know what what is on the other side of this year this process that we're going through this trip whatever it is what do i want to be true right yeah and if we can get clear on what we want to be true what that looks like then we can come back to the bread to the breadcrumbs right it's constant dance between those two places isn't it it is oh it's like so <laughs> inspiring to just sit in that and to to know that that's there's like this beautiful process of being present to what's showing up, but also holding the higher vision mm-hmm. of where you're going. Ooh. You know, I think too when we when we I'm remembering when we enter into a willingness to trust ourselves and begin to step out. Oftentimes, fear can show up in big ways, and we can begin to feel so exposed. And unprotected and alone that we're tempted to pull back in and not stay with the disorder. And I had an uh, example of that last summer. I, my daughter and I were down at Rancho La Puerta where we were. And she, fierce young woman, she had come to my workshop and had been willing to enter in and start to trust herself. And was really um, beginning to articulate for herself, who am I? what do I need to do next? What am I afraid of? And I don't know what was in her journal, but I know that she was doing some brave work. 
and I came back to our room and she that night and she said so mom you have my journal in your pack right and I said um, I don't we looked at it and she um, started to cry and said I disclosed that was fragile stuff I wrote in there and she said I show up and get brave and look what happens and I knew instantly what I needed to do and I and it was dark it was nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. I said uh, low get up and she didn't want to I said no get up come on get up get get you know get dressed we're gonna go back down to the room where we were working and so as we were walking down there I said you can trust that you're taken care of so we walked down and somebody happened to be in the room it was in this big beautiful room called oak tree and there was somebody there still cleaning and I said hey do you you know all the journals that you gathered up that weren't used do you have those and he said yeah they're here in a lock cupboard so we unlocked them we're rifling through all of the journals none of which are written on until she all of a sudden comes upon hers wow and it was there and she, you know, tucked it under her arm. And as we walked back, I said, that's who's protecting you. That spirit, that force, when we do brave work on our behalf, we are surrounded. We are protected. Wow. We've got to trust that, trust that you'll have what you need and that it's worth the risk. Yeah. No fear. No fear. Don't worry. Yeah. No worries. And, you know, the fear is going to show up. So when the fear shows up, that's an, I think that is another way to recognize disorder. Because when we step into disorder, fear is going to show up. That's right. And, and when it does, rather than run from it, to be able to stand there and go, that's okay. I'm, I'm supported. Yeah. I'm, I'm safe even though I don't feel like I am. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> you're blowing my mind, Molly, with these stories. And just so you know, I ask her permission to share that story. She's mom. Use that story whenever you can. Yeah, I know. There's people listening right now that are most likely mm-hmm. in that disorder, and mm-hmm. and the timing, the perfect timing of you sharing that, mm-hmm. is going to land in their heart mm-hmm. for what they need to hear. Yeah. I um also am so appreciating. My my wife Kristen is reading your book, so mm. I haven't had a chance to dive in fully. Yes. But um. I want to hear a little bit because that that takes a lot of fierce courage mm. um, to dive into a project like that yeah. and share it with the world. Or, yeah. And so I know you shared a little bit about being on the road mm-hmm. and coming back, and it was never the same. But just a little, can you share a little bit more about the book and like the premise of it? Yeah. So I think the on the one hand, I really do believe that wine. Just if let's take that. Um, that wine really has become, as opposed to other forms of alcohol for women, has become a very classy coping mechanism. I mean, you th- think about how many times for our women listeners, does does a girlfriend call and say, hey, let's get together for a glass of wine, or it's book club, who's bringing the wine? Right. And so I, I want to go on record as saying this is not a book about not drinking. It's about taking a look at what we use to hide from our, you know, what do we use to hide from life. And so it was really important to me that the book be uh, safe, that it be invitational. And really, I go on a journey of asking, what is it that sends me looking for a glass of wine when I shouldn't? And what is my deeper need? You know, what is the deeper thirst? Mm. And I invite my readers to just join me in looking for their own answers. And so it looks at all the, many of the things that women would be familiar with, 
whether it is putting their own needs, being willing to engage in self-care, which so many of us have a hard time doing. Why do we settle for love that is less than what we should? Why do we take care of everybody else and ignore our own needs? Motherhood, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason they call it mommy juice or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, work-life balance and uh, family things and body image. So it takes a deep dive, and I, I try to really use my own story and be and be honest and vulnerable and show up so that people feel safe doing the same. Wow. You know, we live kind of in a, you show me yours and then maybe I'll show you mine yeah, kind of do. mentality. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know what, maybe if I show mine, you will feel safer showing yours. So I just write very candidly about you know, my, um, the, the pain in my life and the challenges that I've had and my first marriage and motherhood and, um, my own insecurities and the joys and, you know, all of that and invite other women to just come along. And the, the, the idea of, um, our song, you know, which came to me on the road, the world needs our song all of us it it needs that and whatever we're using to keep ourselves from showing up we're depriving the world of what we have to offer wow so what i'm just curious on that so when you hold the vision for women Mm -hmm. and it's a crucial time for women Mm -hmm. there's a real uh disorder reorder happening Mm -hmm. i sense what's the vision you're holding for women worldwide (sighs) worldwide and you know i'm a mom of four daughters so i've thought about that a lot yeah You know, I think one of the biggest challenges for a woman is to find and trust and honor her own voice. And I think this is a time for women to find find their center, find their core, find their voice, and use it for good in the world. I think the world needs what women have to offer. I think that... I think if if we're created in the image of the creator, women are in the image of the creator. Mm. And so that in in so many, if we're looking at religions, have kept women really to the side. And for God to show up fully in the world, women have to show up fully in the world. For love to have to show up fully in the world, women have to show up fully. Absolutely. And I think that happens in every realm, whether you're staying home with kids or you are running for office or you're serving in the armed forces or you're an artist, whatever it is, showing up fully. Yeah. Yeah. Honoring that. Yeah. Honoring that and not being afraid to be who we are and strong and strong and tender all at the same time, beautiful and broken all at the same time. Cause that's what we all are. Yeah. I, uh, as I sit with you here, I just, you're this to me, you're mm-hmm. embodying this at your core. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a blessing mm-hmm. to know you and yeah. to have crossed paths and to be sitting here yeah. in, in this sacred time. Yeah, Keith. And um, yeah, my prayer for everyone listening and for you, Molly, is just to continue mm-hmm. this beautiful um, expansion of this vision, mm-hmm. this vision of, of living in the order, right. disorder, reorder, and honoring sacred truth mm-hmm. that's planted in every little spark of us like you're mm-hmm. saying wow yeah. um wow 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith, thank you for the work you're doing in the world and for showing up here. People who just thank you for showing up here. Yeah. I just um people that are listening that want to follow your work, perhaps even have a coaching session mm-hmm. or read the book. Yeah. Where can we send them to stay in this beautiful space? In this beautiful space. So um, Molly Davis um, and website is Trailhead Coaching and Consulting. So Trailhead Coaching and Consulting would be the best place to find me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm on Facebook at Molly Davis Author. And and your, blo- and your book. The book is Blush, Women, and Wine. And you can get that at Amazon or order through, please order through your independent bookstore as well. So you can order it through any independent bookstore, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Amazing. This is like going on a sacred retreat, this podcast. (laughs) We are. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And I hope all of you listening are feeling Mm. some of that love that's uh, coming through. Um, So we're going to sign off from beautiful Washington State. Beautiful Mount Adams behind us. And uh, second day of spring, new beginnings. New beginnings. A little disorder is going on because the mountain is now going behind a cloud. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, new weather's blowing through. Yeah, endings making way for new beginnings. That's Amen. what this is all about. That is, yes. <laughs> More to come. More to come. Thank you, Molly. Yeah, thank you, Keith. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Molly Davis as much as I did. I feel uh, like that's one of those moments that I'm going to hold on to forever. Just being there at the base of Mount Adams and having that very meaningful conversation. It was uh, one of those peak experiences that they talk about in life. It was that for me. So thank you for listening and tuning in. And I hope you're feeling some of the resonance from that conversation. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Let's Connect. Please send me your ideas for guests. Send me questions, comments, thoughts about what you're hearing here on the podcast. It's an honor to do this and be part of the journey with you all. Thank you for all of your support. And I'll see you next time on Let's Connect. Thank you.